Aaron Tattersall here with another episode of At the Table with Ag Risk Advisors, where we discuss timely and relevant issues challenging the ranchers and farmers we serve every day. You'll be hearing from industry experts and our advisors as we examine risk management programs to protect your legacy. Well, here we are once again at the uh, at the table with Ag Risk, and it's just a privilege to have uh, Brian Bledsoe stop by and uh, talk about just things we talk about. We're uh, good friends with Brian, but we, the weather always seems to come up for some reason. For some reason, yeah. <laughs> People want to know what's going on with that. Yeah. 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 No, it's a pleasure to be here, and you know, obviously, as we're getting tuned up, and as we head toward PRF season and uh, the upcoming winter, and even into folks looking into '24, it's always a time to where you know we like to visit and hash things out and, and get ready to roll. Yeah, you've been busy this year. I've noticed a oh, lot dude. more uh, emails coming out from you. It's been <laughs> it's been crazy. I mean, it's stuff that we you know figured it was going to happen this spring and summer, but when you go from the last few years to where you know, the storm season has basically been nothing to where we're literally having storms every afternoon and not just storms, but like high end stuff, you know, that's doing damage, you know, whether it's hail or flash flooding, or, you know, we've even had our fair share of tornadoes here, not only in Colorado, but across, you know, a large part of the area. Yeah, it's been, it's been busy. I'm, I'm anxious for, for a little bit of downtime. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, you know, we're, we're sitting here, this is, uh, August the 23rd and, um, you know, in the PRF world, that's an interval for July, August, and August, September, and uh, we've seen, I don't know, is it, they call it a tropical storm Hillary or a hurricane Hillary? Well, it was hurricane. It was a high-end hurricane okay. uh, off the Baja. Uh, you know, water temperatures are warm down there, and then when it got going, and then if you go farther north, those water temperatures cool off pretty rapidly, which mm-hmm. is one of the main reasons why we rarely ever have anything tropical hit California. Gotcha. Uh, the, that cool water really kind of you know, helps to uh, diminish those types of storms. But if you get something high end like what Hillary was, which for a time was a pretty strong Cat 4, it, it has to take a little bit of time to wind down. So it basically made landfalls a tropical storm, threw up a bunch of rain in Southern California. But again, if you were not necessarily in that track, as far as rain went, uh, again, it's one of those haves and have-nots types of a thing. A lot of folks got some rain. Some folks got some good rain, but mm-hmm. not everybody got right. good rain. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting. The last last couple of weeks, been talking with producers across the West, and most you know, everyone's very thankful for the rain. But it'd just be nice to have a little bit of a break, <laughs> you know, to get some work done and yeah. and things like that. So. And I think that's uh, what we've seen here in Colorado, especially where it was just storm after storm after storm, and then we got a little bit of a break, getting some downtime, and then we're gonna fire up some rain again this weekend, uh, not just for Colorado, but for the region. In fact, that rain chance this upcoming weekend and early next week is actually going to be some of the remnants of what was Tropical Storm Harold, who hit South Texas yesterday. So that'll kind of pivot up through, you know, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and then move into a large part of Colorado. and. Um, you know, Colorado was starting to starting to get a little crispy. You know, yeah. you have all that rain and you grow all that stuff up and then you heat it up and dry it out. You go right from what was flooding and hail to you have to worry about grassland fire danger because mm-hmm. your grass is three feet tall out there. There's a lot of fuel. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of fuel out there. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm glad to see the see the pattern change where some rain's coming back Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I wanted to just discuss today, especially as we're, um, ramping up uh, for this late summer and fall is just maybe we could just step back and uh, look at where we were this time I don't know last October November what uh, the forecasts were back then and and just proceed from there about what happened and 
what I, I know for me it's easy and um, learning more and more about La Nina, El Nino and kind of in general what that means but I know there's nuances and, and things like that that um, kind of get thrown in the mix too well, when it actually occurs. Oh no, absolutely. I think last year at this time we were looking at what would have been the third winter of dealing with La Nina and uh, you know we'll just pluck California off for, for a great example of this. Um, where eight out of every 10 years that there's a La Nina, California, for the most part, struggles with drought. All right, well, rewind to last year, they had like record snow across pretty much the whole state. So in wet. January or Oh my goodness, January. yeah. It got started in, in December, <clears throat> mid-December, and then just blasted right on through. Yep. And I think that that is, a, that is an amazing example of when I tell folks when they just want to blanket something, it's like, well, it's a La Nina this year, so it's going to be this, sure. or it's an El Nino, it's going to be this. It's a very important time to remind folks that every El Nino and La Nina are different. There are always unexpected outcomes or impacts that arrive from those types of things. So even if you get it generally right, someone's usually going to be way out of, way out of bounds here, you know, as far, and, and California is a great example of that. But if you move further east, you know, New Mexico was crazy dry. Eastern Colorado, once you got south of I-70, was crazy dry. North north of I-70, they, they did just fine. They had, a, they had a pretty solid winter up there, even up in Nebraska and whatnot. Western Kansas, the south, once you get south of 70, was dry. The Panhandle's crazy dry. So that was very on-brand for La Nina versus the the big contrast of California out to the west, which, which had more snow than they knew what to do with at that yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's, that's a really important message when someone's just looking at that to say, you, you always have to be prepared for those little, those little nuances or these quirks that happen yeah. with these types of things. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so when did this La Nina officially end or when would you say, was there an official time frame? Well, I mean, I think it really, it really came to a screeching halt last February okay. and early March. Now there was some little bit of a hangover that carried over, and we didn't really start firing up the rain here east of the mountains uh, until April. Mm -hmm. And then when we got into May, June, July, I mean those times were were very wet times across you know southeast Wyoming, yeah. western Nebraska, down into Colorado. Uh, and then about that time, we saw a rapid transition from the La Nina to an El Nino. Now, when you look at the uh, the water temperatures off the west coast of South America, those things have been warm for a while now. But it's not just about that warm water. That warm water has to sit there enough mm -hmm. to let the atmosphere, quote unquote, couple to it and really respond to where you get the desired and the uh, preferred outcome, if you will, of what an, uh, an El Nino is all about as far as the, the weather patterns are concerned. So okay. we've been in the process of doing that now for for a while. So. When we head into this fall and into the winter, mm -hmm. the atmosphere and the ocean are working together, and that's what you're, you will see, you know, some El Nino weather patterns take shape, no doubt. Gotcha. So, so we're, we're in El Nino now, mm -hmm. and there was a transition period between the end of, like, February, March, when La Nina ended until... Right until the El Nino. Until day. basically now. Now, the, okay. now those warmer than average water out, out there in the in the Pacific, they also help to facilitate change. So this is, uh, you know, I mm. I prefer not to see La Nina or El Nino. I don't I don't want those things because uh, and especially the stronger types because if you get a strong La Nina or a strong El Nino, 
it has a tendency to lock weather patterns in place and reinforce themselves for an extended period of time. And those periods of time can last for weeks or months. And the extremes of those types of patterns usually don't benefit everybody. You know, you, you go from a lot, of, a lot of rain and snow in one place to nothing in another. Mm -hmm. uh, case in point this year, you know, a lot of folks in, in Texas and uh, eastern New Mexico, southern Oklahoma, even southern southeast Kansas are like, yay, El Nino's here. And I'm like, look, uh, you know, you got to be ready for some things that don't necessarily play by the book when you're dealing with that. Because uh, a lot of times we won't see El Nino episodes in the spring and summer. They come on late in the summer, they max out in the winter time, mm -hmm. and they taper off during the spring. So if you get something that's a little bit out of phase with what it normally is, it can produce some things that you typically don't see. Case in point, the crazy heat that we've been seeing across the midsection of the country. Uh, you know, there are some folks that down in West Texas are saying, this is worse than 2011 and 2012 wow. uh, down there, just simply because it's been so hot. Now, those folks, if you if you look at the drought monitor, you might say, well, they're not in a drought. Mm -hmm. Well, keep in mind the drought monitor is cumulative over a period of time. And those places in eastern New Mexico and West Texas, they had a ton of rain down there in May. Like there were some places had like 20, 25 inches of rain down sure. there in just a month and a half period of time. So I think we all have to be mindful of just these types of things. I've seen so many blanket statements out there about what this could mean or not mean. And I think we just, it's very wise to be measured about that kind of a thing when you approach it. And, and what do you mean by that? Just, you know, not take the, the buzzword and apply that like yeah, it has in the past. That's right, and I think this this year, uh, and by this year I mean this upcoming you know PRF season sure. as we head into into twenty four. I think it's important to realize that the stronger the El Nino we see, mm -hmm. the the farther south it typically produces or uh, pushes the storm track. I thought about that. Yeah. So with whenever we have a, an El Nino, I always want to see something that's a much more moderate event. Okay. I don't want to see necessarily a weak event because then the storm track ends up a little bit too far north and you leave the south out. I want to see something that's more moderate. Well, I don't think we're going to see a moderate event, unfortunately. I think uh, the water temperatures that are out there right now are going to be continue to be reinforced going forward. And by reinforced, I mean, they're, they're going to be quite a bit warmer than average. Sure. And they're going to persist for a while. So I would expect when everything starts to work here with the seasonal change and as we head through the winter, I would expect... just to the north and like I said you may go from something that's very wet wet to mm -hmm. not much sure. so I think for folks in if, you, if you're being talked to in in southern Wyoming or Colorado or Utah or northern Kansas southern Nebraska and they might say oh it's gonna be an El Nino so we don't have to worry about PRF this mm -hmm. year I would really pump the brakes on something like that sure. uh, and look at the situation and say look um, with with PRF, I may not be loading up my intervals like like I typically would if I thought it was going to be dry, or I may not just be shoving them completely aside if I thought it was going to be a wet. Maybe stretch that stuff out during the course of the year a little bit, so you're you're covered in one way, shape, or form if you don't get what you're what you thought you were going to sure. get, or you do get something that you didn't think you were going to get. Yeah. 
Um, and so if, if I was talking to someone, say, in South Central Texas, probably not going to be telling them that because they're probably going to be lighting things up down there with, with the storm track. But if I was in Sterling, Colorado, might yeah. be talking about something different. Yeah. yeah. And that's the nice thing about the policy, the flexibility that it offers. And uh, so we're definitely excited to, to get out and show producers those options. Um, so let's talk uh, PDO. Yeah. And that's, that's my understanding, kind of a more foundational type of weather pattern or trend that, you know, these La Nina's, El Nino's kind of are generated from. Right. And so where has that changed from last fall or? So it is, it is negative, it, which is in a cold phase. Even with the, the El Nino that's going on, it's still saying negative. Now, will it moderate? It's not as negative as it was. It, it's still pretty negative. Now, okay. when we, when we uh, in last, last month, the, the value was down to a negative 2.5. Okay, so last fall, we were down about minus three. Hmm. And then in January, we came up to about minus 1.6, and then we went right back down. Interesting. So it, it's interesting to see these patterns because you would think if the whole state of the Pacific is warming up, yeah. then the PDO is going to, it will, it will moderate. Will we have a complete phase shift? going forward it's tough to say right now I, I figured by now if we were going to have that full-on phase shift uh, and I'm not talking like a 30-year type phase shift because yeah. I'm talking like a little bump in the road here where mm -hmm. we could you know briefly turn warm I would have thought we would have seen a more of a response from the Pacific than what we've seen so far hmm. so the the thing to keep in mind here is is that okay for some folks great we're in El Nino that can mean wet going forward sure. Uh, for other folks, we might say, well, but if the PDO stays negative, what does that mean for me next year? Well, if the PDO is negative, that makes it just that much easier to go back to La, La Nina. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Typically speaking, when the PDO is cold, you have more frequent and longer lasting La Ninas. Mm -hmm. Case in point, the triple dip La Nina right, we just yeah. saw. Mm -hmm. If the PDO is warm, we have more frequent and longer lasting El Ninos. Right. So. I don't think we're seeing that full-on phase shift, which huh. I've been telling some of the folks that I work for, uh, including you, we have to be ready to, to go back to if, because we will revert back to the dryness. Yeah. That's just the way it works. So uh, it's part of that whole thing where, great, we're in El Nino, so we're supposed to be more moisture, but I need to be looking maybe yeah. a little bit further down the road. That's a surprise to me. I, um, I'm glad we talked about that because I just assumed uh, – we're headed back to the positive little mm -hmm. phase of the PDO, but we're still not even positive yet. No, we ways from it. That's right. We, we flipped. We flipped in 90, 98. Okay. So we've been doing this business now for twenty five years. <laughs> okay. So your PDO fluctuates on the order of about every twenty five to thirty five. So even if okay. we just spitballed and said thirty years, just mm -hmm. right down the middle, we're still looking at you know a few more years of mm -hmm. negative PDO over the long term. I'm not saying we can't have a little blurb where we briefly go positive. We saw that back in late 14, 15, early 16. Mm -hmm. But after that, we, we went right back down there. So those little blips, those little warm blips are, are usually pretty short-lived and uh, don't represent the, the greater pattern of over a 30-year period. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, so analog years are always interesting uh, mm -hmm. to look at. And it seems like 13 to 14 was 
a favorite uh, time analog time frame last from last fall. going forward. Yes. Okay. That's right. Yeah, coming out of a La Nina cold yeah. Yeah. and whatnot. So, did that work for some areas? I think it probably did. Did that necessarily work for for California, mm-hmm. where we thought it was going to be drier? hundred percent no. Like it was one hundred eighty degrees in the opposite direction. Right. So that kind of you know that kind of you know piggybacks on what I was saying that we have to be careful when we when we blanket that. Now, is that a good thing they got all the moisture they did in California? 100%, you know, we, it helped replenish some reservoirs, you know, in dealing with the drought conditions that they had out there, that's great. But I, I like to look more regionally when we're looking at this stuff, you know, yeah. case in point, the Pacific Northwest, you go up into, into Western Oregon, Western Washington right now, they're struggling up there. Mm-hmm. You know, they got fires and, and they've had some problems. Meanwhile, you go just to the east, Parts of Montana have been just fine, yeah. you know. So yeah. uh, when I'm when I'm looking for for regional weather patterns that are beneficial, I don't just like cherry picking a state here and then gotcha. a state over here being completely different. Yeah. Uh, so for for some analog years for this upcoming okay. winter in this mm-hmm. year, uh, you know, I think we have to look at first of all what type of El Nino we're going to see. And you you think that's a strong. We're looking at a strong LED. Not just a strong one, okay, okay. but a, a, but the actual type. So okay. Okay. there's three different types that we can look at. One of those is where you have the warmest water right off the west coast of South America. Mm-hmm. That's called an east-based or a traditional El Nino. I think that's the type of El Nino most people remember or are okay. familiar with. If that warmer water shifts farther west, that that changes our weather patterns. So if it shifts just a little farther west, you get what's called a hybrid. You still have warm water off the west coast of South America, but it's a little broader than what it might be. Your your weather pattern is still pretty similar. Southern branch of the jet stream fires up across the southern tier of the country. Everything's wet down there, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then the northern Rockies, Pacific Northwest, usually drier than average because they're not in the main storm track. Okay. But if you push that warmer than average bullseye even farther west, you get what's called a Madoki El Nino. And you're, that's closer to the, uh, the west coast of South America. No, that would be farther out in the Pacific. Okay. So that'd be more like oh, a that's central. Right. My bad. Yeah. Farther. Right. Yeah. So course. we're talking okay. Central Pacific based. Yeah. Okay. Um, what that does historically is it puts uh, a blocking ridge of high pressure yeah. just off the west coast of California. Yeah. The jet stream goes farther north and you get the eastern two thirds of the country that get cold and wet get hit right so yeah so again it goes to one of those things like well we're in an el nino southern california is supposed to be wet and it's like well it depends on what type of el nino you have uh i think if you have a an east based or even a hybrid you're probably right you're probably still going to be okay that the southern branch is going to prevail but if you get a madoki that thing changes up things Hmm. like like nobody's business right now i think the shot of the 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 chances of us seeing this evolve into a madoki el nino are, are not high. Okay. I think the type of El Nino we're going to have is kind of a mix between the East-based traditional and more of a hybrid. So if I'm putting all my eggs in a basket to say where I think the wettest pattern is going to end up, mm-hmm. I still think southern tier of the country looks pretty ripe for some for some pretty good storms this, this fall, winter, and even as we carry over into uh, early 24. So the three kind of flavors of El Nino are East-based, hybrid, and Madoki. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when was the last time we had a Madoki? Seems like it's... Oh, it would have been... I think we dealt with stuff back in... Was it 16, 17 maybe? I'd have to go back and look for sure. Uh, but even if we look back in uh, okay. 2009 or 10, 
you know, those types of things. And usually Madokis are not strong because what you do is uh, where the water is warmer than average right now, right off the west coast of South America, that warm pool shifts west and you get upwelling cooling that water off the west coast. So the water temperatures off the west coast of South America are colder than average, but you go just west of there and they're warmer. It's like just this warm pool that's in the central Pacific. And so uh, when, when we're looking at brands of El Nino's, not only do we have to say, okay, well, what type of strength is it going to be? We have to be, we have to be, you're never going to be sure, but you have to be as sure as you can get sure. what type yeah. that El Nino is going to be. Because yeah. uh, the last thing you want to do is look at it and say, oh, we're going to go be a traditional, everything's going to be fine. Then you go to Madoki and it's just <laughs> like, man, this is not what, right. what we thought were going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And computer models help us to determine that. Weather patterns that are going on right now help us determine that. The longer we see that big warm pool right off the west coast of South America prevail, the greater chances we have of seeing something east-based or traditional, okay. which would be reflective of what we saw in 82, 83, mm-hmm. 97, 98, those big, strong events. Um, those, are, those are the primary analog years that we would look for if we think that that's what's going to happen. And to be honest, those are some of the years that we're leaning toward right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, all good stuff. I uh, actually last as I'm talking to producers, especially, um, you know, farther west and, um, you know, talking about upcoming premiums that are, that are coming their way, they're in, in every case are, well, you know, this is a lot better than the hay we had to buy, you know, a couple of years, you know, last right. year and the year before. So yeah. it's, it's nice to be able to pencil that out, you know. And um, so we're, like I said, we're sitting here mid- end of August. Um, what are the major things you're going to be looking at the next uh, couple months? How otherwise? How the El Nino is evolving? Okay. okay, is it still staying east based, or do we see anything shifting? Um, is it weakening or strengthening? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, right now it looks like this event will probably max out during the heart of winter, and by heart I mean December, January. Okay. Okay, and then after January, uh, we're a little split on what this is going to happen. Uh, if we look at some of the stuff that the the Bureau of Meteorology in Australia is putting out, they're they're thinking that this could carry over in even into the spring. Okay. But then you have to look at historics to say, well, it's pretty rare to see a strong El the previous spring, as especially if the PDF warm up can. Since they're working against each other there. Okay, so uh, but. It, I think the I think my core message, uh, you know, this in particular this PRF season is is you're you're going to need to look at what you're going to have throughout all of 24. Okay, so yeah. we're probably going to be influenced by El Nino early in early. 24 and maybe even to early spring. But what happens after that? Yeah. Okay, uh, if if the PDO doesn't warm up, there's a real good shot that we lose that warm water out there in the Pacific and we start heading back to La Nina. Gotcha. So if you look at that trend, you say, yeah. well, I may not need help up front, mm-hmm. but I may need some help in the back part of 24. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think that that's something that needs to be top of mind with producers yeah. when, when they're looking at setting up those intervals. Yeah. I think, A, that's just good common sense, but that's also just using the, um, the forensics we have at our disposal to say this is what we think can happen going forward. You bet. Yeah. Um, and 
and as I said, I really want folks to concentrate on being measured this year uh, because there's been so much hype about El Nino and what El Nino yeah. means. And there's so much blanket misinformation out there that I think you, you really need to say, well, uh, this looks like what could happen for us. Uh, but as we go forward, we also need to be prepared for something that may not happen for us. Yeah. So if you're not sure, if you're on the fence, as I said, maybe you spread things out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you do things a little bit later in the year, you know, on and on. There, there are a variety of ways, as you said, with the flexibility of the policy yeah. that you can make that happen. Yeah, an extreme response is probably uh, not a good good response. <laughs> probably not. I mean, in, in, either I, way. In, and i got to be honest with you, even, even for some folks farther south, because right. if this El Nino gets real strong, well, maybe that storm track goes even farther so, south. Even farther south. It, yeah. uh, Baja, South Texas, Gulf Coast, and then you go up and say, you know, from Lubbock to Amarillo, and you'll be like, well, we, it looked like we were going to get a bunch, and we got not much. Yeah. 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 So I think those are the things that I'm looking at. You know, really, I watch this stuff daily, Aaron. You, bet. you know, and I know someone said, well, it doesn't change daily. It doesn't matter. There's always something you can be looking at, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's history or comparing things to what's happening now to help make that forecast not only resonate more, but also be as accurate as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. Well, um, yeah, the things that, from our discussion that um, our highlights to me is that it's possible the El Nino could go even farther south, which is, you know, that would be extreme and maybe even miss some of those far, mm -hmm. the weather miss some of those farther southern areas that were still negative PDO. That was yep. a surprise. Mm -hmm. And then the different flavors of, of El Nino, that was interesting too. So we're going to be um, at Agris Advisors uh, working with you the next uh Man, in 15, 20 days, we're going to do another update. Um, it'll be a live event for folks that want to um, participate and mm -hmm. even record it. And then two others, one you know, one more middle of October and one more middle of November. So we're excited to, to uh, proceed with that. Yeah, I'm fired up about it too. And I would really encourage, uh, you know, producers and, and clients of Agris to to take advantage of those those interactive meetings because it's like yes, you, right. you can ask anything you want yep. and chime in. So if there's some things that you've been wondering about or you're on the fence, mm -hmm. those are the times that you really need to come to the table with your list mm -hmm. that you want to hash out and, and take advantage of the opportunity because that's the reason why we're doing it. That's right. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you making the time uh, today to kind of set the stage for what we've got the next couple months. It's going to go by fast. Go by very fast. <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, uh, it seems like we're getting busier and busier every every year. So thank you very much for your partnership. Brian. My pleasure, Aaron, and looking sure. forward to uh, chatting with folks in the future. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thank you.